a Podcast One production. The Liberal Party. It, along with their coalition bedfellows, the National Party, forms government at the moment. But what makes it tick? What does it stand for? My next guest to talk about the Libs is a Lib to her core. When it comes to the subject of the Liberal Party, she's the very definition of the word expert. Elected to the Australian Senate out of South Australia in the mid-80s, aged just 31, then the youngest person in the Senate, she ended up serving a 23-year term. Amanda Vanstone, 23 years is a lifetime in anyone's language. Did it feel like a lifetime to you? You don't get that for murder, do you, really? <laughs> 23 years, gee. Uh, but look, I, d- I don't mean to be difficult, but I don't like the term expert. It's a, a X is former and spurt is a drip under pressure, so <laughs> I don't profess to be an expert, but I have some experience of the Liberal Party, yeah, sure. Excellent. So you can fill us in on a few things about the Liberal Party because I ain't an expert, I ain't an ex, I ain't a pert, or I ain't anything that can you add on to that particular word. So what ideals were the Liberal Party founded upon and are they still relevant today, those ideals? Well, different people might give you different versions of that, but my understanding and what attracts me to being a Liberal is that it's a party for more for individuals. It's not for the unions. It's not for big business. I know that Labor tries to pretend and create the impression that the Liberal Party is for big business, but that's not its, its core value. Its core value is individuals. And that's the only reason big business is important because, or any business, frankly, because individuals need jobs. Um, they want to get wages. They want to buy their kids things, you know, rent accommodation, buy a house. That's why uh, the economy is important to Liberals because of the benefits of a good economy for individuals. And I like that idea that I can be me and the government will only tell me what to do when it has to. So I want to be left with more of my earnings and decide what to do with it than be taxed more and the government decide what to do with it or give it back to me what's worse. You know, I'm meant to be grateful for getting some sort of rebate or something uh, when they took it from me in the first place. Do you find that's changed? And, and you can talk with great relevance as to the time that you spent in Parliament. Did that, has that changed over time? Has it morphed into something else, do you feel? No, look, I don't think so. But one of, one of the Liberal Party's great benefits is also its, its greatest risk, and that is the diversity of views. I don't personally warm to the uh, expression of broad church, but it's got a diversity of views on the right of centre. So you've got people like me that would be close to the centre, who some of the right wing regard as, you know, a lefty. And then you've got people over on the on the right wing. Now, that's just a reflection of what's out in the community, frankly. And so, of course, there are disagreements. Uh, of course, there are. And that's a good thing. There should be um, debates. You should have fights just like families do, uh, but behind closed doors, preferably, because there's a diversity of views. And uh, can I use this example? If you have 10 people out for dinner and you're ordering coffee at the end, well, I don't drink coffee at dinner, but so at lunch, okay? <laughs> uh, they wouldn't order coffee the same way. Try and have a vote and say, we're all going to have the same coffee. See how, see how you get, how far you get. So, of course, there's a, a difficulty in, in coming to policy agreements. And ours, for some reason or another, tend to get aired more than Labor airs theirs. In the modern day, it feels like those coffees are being ordered, but if someone doesn't like what coffee someone else is having, 
they have huge issue with that within the Liberal Party to extend that metaphor that you just mentioned. Do you feel that as well or is that just me looking outside no, in? No, I think you're, you're, you're spot on. Look, it's always hard when you disagree, when you have a family holiday and your choice doesn't come out because, you know, four of the five family members choose to go somewhere else. Of course you're unhappy. But you don't spit the dummy and say, well, that's it, I couldn't go where I wanted so you can all go to hell. Unfortunately, there are some people who are so egocentric and self-centred that they do think that way. Uh, They're not team players, and I've got very little patience and time for them, frankly. Think of this. Someone told me this is one of the reasons for Malcolm Fraser's success, and it might have been uh, replicated in part by Howard, and that is you say to one uh, sort of grouping, if you like, within the Liberal Party of, of views, what can we do for your constituency? What's really important to you? And you might find a way to assist in that. And, of course, then you say to them, other people won't like this, but the price you pay is you have to go along with something they want that you don't like. So it's just like, you know, when you're talking about, as I say, a family holiday. It's it's a bit of give and take. And people have to learn to accept that. When they take it as a a war to the end, I want my way, all they are is destructive, and, and you can see that. My own view is that Tony Abbott has always had a view that it's his way or no way, and I find that particularly destructive. When you look at the eras in which, and I won't just say times they've had control of the government, but the eras that they've spanned, i.e. many elections getting through them, John Howard... Two-thirds of the time. Two-thirds of the time in government, yeah. (laughs) Thanks for that stat. Um, Robert Menzies as well. Was that down to strong leadership and that's what is really required in the Liberal Party to to keep everyone under that umbrella or is it something else? It's Strong leadership is required in any political party, but because the Liberal Party has this range of voices... And only the parliamentary party to keep it in order, whereas with the union movement, I think that it plays such a big role uh, in the Labor Party. There's a sort of another big organisational structure that has a power and influence and might be a stabilising influence in the wrong direction maybe, but it's nonetheless a stabilising influence. So that's why I say our diversity is our greatest merit because we reflect the community uh, there are people out there who I call far-right-wingers and there are people out there like me and everybody in between. But it's also our greatest risk. Who really runs it? Are there, there factions within that we don't see that actually runs the Liberal Party or is it the leader of the L- day? The Liberal Party doesn't have formal factions like the Labor Party does. I and mean, if you're in one faction in the Labor Party, you don't vote the right way, you're out. And I'm not an expert on the Labor Party, but I understand that's how they are. Pretty tight run of factions, very strongly controlled. So if the faction leader says, this is what we're going to do, that's what everyone does. That's not the same uh, with us. Now, there's a group you might have heard called the moderates. People used to call us the wets. but uh, The what? <laughs> the wets. The wets and the dries. The dries were the economically very conservative and the wets were the sort of socially compassionate people. But wet implies, you know, wet, well, you might not have had a younger brother, but that's what you call your younger brother, or your drip. You know, you're pathetic, you're wet drip. Um, so Chris Pine and I decided to change that and we have consistently referred to that group as the moderates. And I think it's a good term because it implies exactly what we are and that is moderately minded in our policy, closer towards the centre, not over, not on the left, on the right, but nonetheless close to the centre, which is frankly where most Australians are. I mean, we're never going to be a crazy right-wing country and we're never going to be a communist country. 
But most of us sit in the middle. <laughs> most. Do you feel that the electorate, and this is a guess, that the electorate is closer to the centre than pushing out either way and with particular relevance to the Liberal Party? Absolutely. I, I feel very confident that normal Australians who are going to work, paying their mortgage, you know, trying to get the kids off to netball and um, the girls off to netball, pick the boys up from football, you know, get someone off to a medical appointment, struggling with all of that. They are not extremists. They are normal people in the middle. They, in the middle, there'll be disagreements, of course, about a whole range of things, but not extreme disagreements. With the Liberal Party ideal that um, it, it's all about the individual and you let business run business and that the government shouldn't interfere too much, it, does that then give business a bit of a free reign and in a way becomes beholden to big business? I don't think beholden. Um, I, I can't think of an example where big business has said what they think ought to happen and it happens. I mean, we, oh God, I remember times in government when there were big disagreements. And we come back to this issue of disagreements, you see, within the Liberal Party, within the community, within the business community, they don't all agree. I mean, look at the business people who came out in support of same-sex marriage. I'm thinking of Alan Joyce. I personally think it's a good thing if a CEO or chairman wants to express their personal view because people think, well, that person is an, uh, an experienced operator, successful in the business world, and they think like that. That's of interest to me. It doesn't mean you have to do what they say. It's just of interest. There are other people who hold a view and say, look, if you're CEO, you should keep your trap shut and just get on with your business. So, you know, there are different views on everything between the business community uh, between big and small business, between universities, for example. Now, you introduce a policy for universities that relates to funding and um, the universities are all against you. I've had this experience. You put out a press release that says, I understand, or the government understands, that uh, any reductions couldn't be borne equally across the university sector. You'll have the G8 universities on the phone within 15 minutes, I can tell you. Say, you're not saying we will have to bear a bigger cost hit, are you, than the regional universities? So you can divide and separate any group. So the fact there are disagreements in the Liberal Party just doesn't faze me. It's fact of life. With the relationship that the Liberal Party has with, say, I don't know, it's a big term, but capitalism, but business and certain industries, for instance, I can't get the image out of my head of Scott Morrison in Parliament with a lump of coal, looking at it like he wants to lick it. Um, and that, to me, told me that he's a big fan of uh, coal-powered energy. Does it have a perception problem in that regard? Or is that just it making its point, the Liberal Party making its point, that's what we believe in and that's what we're going to go forward well, I don't, with? I don't think that's the point. I think, it, uh, look, I wasn't there. I can't speak for what happened on that day, what the debate was at the time. So let me not put on to that image a sort of view that's unrelated to that. I mean, one of the reasons we have so much solar power in Australia is because of the subsidies the Howard government created for so much solar power. So I think what the government says at the moment is we can't move completely away from coal at this point, not just because we're big coal exporters, but because we need to have the stability of, you know, the base load power. That's a view they have. But it's not an anti-solar power or an anti-wind power view it's just a view that in the mix, you have to have some coal. Yet it gets presented as, 
you know, loving the coal industry. Whereas I would say it's just a, a realisation of where the power that can come from at the moment that can be a reliable source at the moment. Perception is reality though sometimes, isn't it? Well, perception is very important. It's, it governs how people vote, but I'm just making the point. It doesn't mean that that's what a government or people in the government actually think. So, uh, I mean, what you say is exactly right. I've been in debates where people say, well, you know, this is what we think, and not, someone will speak up and say, but that's not what the electorate thinks we think. So we've got a communication problem. Now, that I think we do have. How does it fix itself? Well, not easy. And part of the reason I, I actually decided to try and become a member and then did become a member of parliament uh, was because I looked at the Liberal Party and thought, right, you're the guys I want. You're more for the individual. I like that. I like individual. I don't like the collective thing. I mean, you say we're fans of capitalism. Uh, you want to nominate the socialist country you want to move to? Not at the moment, thanks. Australia's pretty good. Well, you know what? I don't think any Labor people do either. So having decided that they were for individuals and they were pro-business, which was good because it meant people could get jobs and have houses and, you know, holidays and kids at school and all that sort of stuff. But I looked at them and I thought, who are you people? All these guys in pinstripe suits with fob watches, poncing around, talking in a language that is not my language. And this is when I was, you know, 26 or 7. I think a lot of Liberal members do speak in language which is um, a bit too toffy, if you like, because the real art of politics is in, is in communicating. And if you don't speak the same lingo, you're not going to communicate. That's why Keating was such a successful politician, if you like. It was his turn of phrase that caught everyday Australians and they understood exactly what he meant in the, by that phrase. He didn't need to go on with a long essay. So the Liberal Party is one thing and then there's the National Party and then the two join together at a federal level, for instance, and form what's called the coalition. How does that actually work? What's the functionality behind that? Mm, well, coalitions aren't always easy, of course. And the National Party used to like to say the party representing rural Australians when a time when I was in government, the Liberal Party had more rural members than they did. But, you know, so what? There are some, some seats that like to vote for people who have a particular rural bent. And, and they're people who, in rural seats. So why shouldn't they vote for people who have a distinctively rural commitment, if that's the way you want to put it. And, and that's what tends to happen with the National Party. But uh, it's the same, I, I regard them as in the same broad grouping, if you like. They just have a distinct, if you like, brand that they want to push. You basically sit in the same realm of how you think about how Australia should run economically, what it means for business, what it means to the size of government as well. You, you share views, so both sides decided to join up and, and kind of join together to gang up on the rest. Yeah, you see, if business isn't doing well, people haven't got jobs. We've covered already the bad consequence for them of that. But the other consequence I didn't mention is government has less revenues. When, when the economy goes, you know, belly up and business isn't doing well, uh, company tax revenues and often revenues from PAYE earners, because people lose their jobs, revenues fall. That's exactly when you don't want that to happen because you want money to spend to be able to help people. So the economy is really very important for a variety of reasons and it's not because you just want to say, well, we've got the economy on track, yeah, yada, 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 big deal. It's because of the terrible consequences when it isn't for people, real individual people. What about other issues, back to just the Liberal Party in isolation, other issues which have 
grown in stature over time. Um, the environment, for instance, and within that climate change, and also immigration, which has um, seen many faces, quite literally, over the time from the 50s to the modern day, and always will, from what I gather. How is policy form within the Liberal Party about that, and where is it headed in your mind? Uh, you, well, immigration, I mean, I, I was immigration minister for a while. We are one of the great immigration countries in the world. Us, the United States and Canada are the big three. And we manage it extraordinarily successfully. We are one of the biggest takers of refugees for permanent resettlement. Now, that's different from people who move through your country and camping in tents, but for permanent resettlement where, you know, we welcome them, uh, they become citizens, we put a lot of effort into education, um, housing, health, all that sort of thing as soon as they arrive to help them settle in. We're one of the biggest takers in the world of people for permanent resettlement. And there's big agreement on that. The only thing there's disagreement on is how long should people be left on Nauru or Manus Island? That's the, that's the point of difference. Within the Liberal Party, that is? No, 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 within, within the community at large. I mean, I think the community at large is understandably concerned about uh, particularly men, not wanting to be sexist, but they're predominantly men, on Manus Island, about whom there are adverse security assessments. I don't blame people being apprehensive about that. And frankly, I don't blame people saying, look, we've got an immigration system and uh, there are ways for you to come if you're a refugee and we want you to come that way, not to force our hand by coming by boat. I don't see a problem in saying that. Frankly, I think that's just the state of affairs. Every government has a responsibility to protect its borders. When setting a policy, whatever the subject may be, who actually does it within the Liberal Party? How is it done? Well, a, a minister or shadow minister would have the responsibility for um, developing any change in policy from whatever it is on, on the current day, and then that change would go to the party room for discussion. If you're in government, it would first go to Cabinet, and then go back to the party room with cabinet thinks we ought to do this. So cabinet being the, the ones with the fancy titles, the ministers, and then it comes back to the, the yeah. general populace of the, the party uh, in government. Yeah, back to the party, party room to thrash it out, yeah. And there's examples, uh, I can't think of any at the moment, but there have been, uh, where the party room says, no, we don't like that, and it goes back for a, a further variation. And that's as it should be. All the party members should have a say. That's what they're there for, to be members and be representatives. Take us inside the party room. Does it get a bit raucous in there and uh, some language used that perhaps you wouldn't use in public and some mannerisms used that you wouldn't and what's the food like? And the, <laughs> is there a couple of beers on the table well, just to take the no, edge off? Or? No, 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 there's no food, no beer. And when I was there, there wasn't even a decent coffee machine. <laughs> God help me. You know, at least you could put a gadget around the back and give everybody a, a cappuccino or a short black. Uh, no, none of that. You just have to sit there and, and um, people tend to sit in their own seats. So you see when there are new members elected, they'll come and sit down and a former mem older member will come and say, excuse me, you're in my seat. It's just like school. You know, people have a habit of sitting with their friends and then um, the prime minister will or the leader will say whatever they want to say. There might be some discussion about that. There might be an issue being discussed. And then legislation will come up that needs to go to the party room and the minister will introduce it, say what they want to say about it, and then everyone will have a go and put their view. With the now, are there times... Look, um, there was a member once who made a fabulous speech. I, I didn't care for the member and he lost his seat, and I'm not sorry he lost his seat, but in any event, that's another matter. Uh, he stood up and said when the, something had been done to help rural people because, you know, it was none of their fault that there was a drought. It was none of their fault. 
And that's true. I agree with that. This guy stood up and <laughs> said about, I don't know, two people running a, uh, with Middle Eastern names, running a deli near a carpet factory. And their family had been running that for generations. But now, because of some tariff introduction by other countries, the carpet factory had gone bang. And through no fault of their own, through no fault of their own, they were going to go broke. So what was the government going to do for them? Well, the Liberal Party people were cheering, even if they didn't like this guy very much, because it made the point. Look, don't say to us uh, it's no fault of their own. Things happen that's no fault of your own. And if the rule is government's going to help everybody who gets into trouble no fault of their own, we'll go broke. So there are times when people make spectacular speeches, but more often than not, it's just, you know, here he's going to speak. I know what he'll say. Oh, she's going to speak. I know what she'll say. What ended up happening to the guy with the carpet shop? And who was the MP, if you can dob him in? No, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you, but he lost his seat. <laughs> what happened to the carpet shop? You can't remember? No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's a point, actually, you might, might raise. Uh, one time I was walking towards Question Time with a, what they call a DLO, a departmental liaison officer, and one of the junior ministers went past with books under his arm, and I, I wanted to say, you know, it's only in help if you've read them. But I thought, no, that's a bit rude, you know, smart arsey, I'll leave that be. And he walked past and said, Minister, in a very toffee sort of term. Well, my name's Amanda, you know. And uh, I said under my breath, screaming, you know what, what? And the departmental liaison officer heard. And she said, oh, he's from your party. And I said, I know that. More's the pity. And she said, I thought you all liked each other. I said, don't be ridiculous. We're elected from all around Australia by different electorates. We've got different personalities. Some brothers and sisters don't like each other that much. So the idea that all the Labor Party love each other and all the Liberal Party love each other is just crazy. We're all different personalities. Especially in modern times, it seems. Can you see the way that the Liberal Party is at the moment in a decade's time? It's splintering off into... And we've seen little indications of this with Cory Bernardi and the Australian Conservatives, that it splinters from within, if you know what I mean, and, and makes these... No. No, I can't. Look, Cory Bernardi, you say in the Australian Conservatives, Cory Bernardi and Cory Bernardi. You know, I don't have a lot of time for it. I think he knew before the last election he was going to split. But no, I don't see it splitting off. Look, I, I was there in the Howard Peacock years, remember? You're probably too young to remember those battles, but, you know, we thrash it out when we have disagreements. But that's why it's called the battle of ideas and we have those fights. Some people spit the dummy and walk away. Andrew Peacock, no relation, by the way. I should put that right out there right now right, to right, me, Adam Peacock. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> Never had anything to do with him whatsoever. Well, let, let me just, whether you're related or not, uh, I'm advised he's the only person who stood up to Malcolm Fraser over recognising Pol Pot. Okay. Because, um, I say that because Keating used to say, can a souffle rise twice? You know, tease, tease Peacock because he was always a flash dresser and, and you know, very smart, dapper-looking gentleman. But he was not weak. Who funds the Liberal Party? Gee, I don't know. Um... The reason I don't know is there's a rule in South Australia, and I think it probably applies in the other divisions, is that the donors are not revealed to the members. I mean, only the... Uh, not even the whole executive would know of all the donors. I think the CEO would, the director, of course. But um, Menzies was very big on the fact that people should be responsible to their electorate, not, not to the Liberal Party, not to do exactly what they wanted all the time. Now, I crossed the floor once. It wasn't such a great experience, I have to say. What was that about? Uh, 
over a wine tax. Labor said they wouldn't uh, increase the wine sales tax. It was pre-GST days. And uh, got in and proceeded to say they were going to double it. Well, my state at that point was producing nearly 60% of Australia's wine and the Senate is the state's house. I mean, give me a break. What do you expect? I was not going to vote for that budget measure or otherwise. How did that go down within the party room? Not great. Not, not great is a fair description. But, you know, I think that's how I ended up in Cabinet because uh, it was raised in the party room and there was organised sort of murmurings about me. Uh, you know, oh, it's going to be really hard for me. Someone stood up in a lower house seat. Oh, I've got wine growers in my electorate and it'd be really hard for me if you cross the floor and I don't. I said, well, that's for you to decide what you do. Your decision, mate, not mine. And I went ahead and uh, crossed the floor and... You know, they weren't happy about it. And can I say, I, try, I tried after that party room a number of times to speak to Howard because it was, oh, I'll speak to you later sort of thing. And, and every time it was, oh, no, he's busy at the moment, can't see you, can't see you, can't see you. So a staffer of mine came and said, you're being done here. He's going to leave it till the last day and then say you only spoke to me on the last day. Uh, he's had plenty of chances. So we put out a press release saying at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock or something that day, we'd be announcing what I was going to do. Howard was on the phone within about 20 minutes. <laughs> Snap, someone who hadn't been available for weeks and weeks. And we had a, he didn't <clears throat> yell, but it was fair to say there was a firmer voice than usual. Uh, Howard wasn't a yeller. And I said, look, I'm sorry, it's done. You know, you've had your chance. I raised it in the party room. I've tried to get you to see you. You haven't done it. That's it. And I think that said to him, she's made of stronger stuff than some people think. And I think that's why I got into cabinet. How is the Liberal Party's relationship, and this has been given a bit of coverage in the last six months in terms of women members and especially those trying to sit or indeed sitting in Canberra? Do you know, I think it's spectacular. <laughs> Someone doing media studies should do a PhD on this. Why is it that people say uh, the Liberals bully women when there's uh, one woman in particular who's come out and said, well, you know, I think there's a bullying culture and I was bullied with no names, no idea, no suggestion of what the bullying was, suddenly we're a party of bullies, and yet the name Emma Hassar doesn't seem to <laughs> sort of ring clear in some people's minds in the media. That's the woman who really was bullied by the Labor Party. Slut-shamed, I think she's suing them now, and good on her. It was appalling handling uh, of a female member, but that just gets sort of forgotten. Now, I would like to see us with more female members, and we haven't managed that well. We don't have a union movement that has such control over our pre-selections. We leave the individual electorate to do it. And that's risky for us because, you know, people can suck up to people in the individual electorate. And um, it's, it's harder, therefore, to necessarily bring in newer blood. But an, a union organisation can do that quite easily. Has the Liberal Party, in terms of social themes, moved with the times? And historically, has it done that? Or is it having a bit of an issue with that at the moment? Well, look, I, I know it gives a small section of the LGBTQ community, the unmitigated shell grits to say this, but same-sex marriage came in under a Liberal government. They didn't like the way it was done. They didn't want to have a postal uh, consultation with the community. But I just remind you, it didn't happen under Labor. Labor's, you know, would have, could have, should have, didn't. Now, we found a way to get it done. Uh, that happened under a Liberal government and it reflected what the community thought. Now, it's reflected what the Labor Party thought too, but they didn't do anything about it. 
my own view is that most Liberals are very much in touch with the electorate. It's the extreme right that haven't realised we're not living in the 50s anymore. Does the Liberal Party have a serious problem with the extreme right of its own? Well, um, I don't know about a serious problem. I mean, there are people who still think that way and they're entitled to have representatives and they're entitled to have their say. What they're not entitled to do, in my view, is hold a party to ransom over that. And when you have... Uh, small numbers of majorities, either in the House of Reps or if it ever happens again in the Senate. I don't think there ever will be another government with a majority in the Senate, incidentally, but that's another point. Not entitled to hold a government to ransom because your view is not endorsed by the majority. That's just childish tantrum throwing. So we're not going to have a conservative civil war, if you want to put it really dramatically, or we haven't already had one, have we? Well, look, I wouldn't wouldn't say that. I mean, I I think... um, Look, I think the Howard government was a good government. I think Howard was an excellent Prime Minister. I didn't always agree with him, but so what? As I say, you and I might have our coffee differently. So big deal. You disagree there. I don't want to live in a country where all the politicians think the same way. That's, you know, very bad. But I do think Howard gave far too much licence to Tony Abbott. And I think we're seeing the very bitter fruit of that now. Is it as much, and this seems to be, and from what you're telling me as well, there seems to be a lot of... I wouldn't say ego, but big personalities within the Liberal Party. And I suppose that's the case of any government. But is key to it all from the Liberal side of things at the moment, managing people is one thing, but managing people with agendas is the main thing? Managing someone with an agenda separate to the agenda of the group uh, is always a bit harder. Of course it is. And uh, you know, the people who have an agenda know that. They know that they can threaten to cross the floor when the numbers are so small of a difference and uh, get a lot of attention. You see a lot of members doing that now. It's become sort of the vogue thing. Oh, I disagree with the party that got me elected. Yeah, good on you, Jack. You know, I I have no time for these people. A genuine crossing of the floor, as I say, I've done it. I want people to be able to have their say. But, you know, when you're talking about going from A to Z, you all agree you want to get to Z or Z, whichever you like to think of it as, it doesn't really matter which direction you go unless one's, you know, four times as long. And often these disagreements about the manner in which you get there, and they're not, not disagreements about where you end up. Is the Liberal Party at the moment having a, a few issues with the micro-management of government and, and being in power and kind of losing sight of their principles, if you like, as a party? Or is, or is that not a problem? It's just a fact of life. When you're in politics, these things happen. I'm, I'm not sure what, to what you're referring to, say, losing control in terms of government. but uh, Well, in terms of who's leading, because we've had so many swapsies. So many swapsies? Hold on, Labor had swapsies. That's what I mean. I'll, I'll get to that when uh, I get the yeah. Labor Party guest on as well. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think that is an unfortunate change in Australian politics that's happened um, since the Rudd years, and I hope it doesn't uh, become vogue. I think stability in leadership is a good thing. As frustrating as leaders can be, I mean, it must be a tremendous adrenaline shot being the Prime Minister of any country and, uh, you know, sometimes they can be a bit annoying and need to be brought down to earth a bit, but um, getting rid of them is another matter. Seem to do it quite well at the moment. Well, uh, we've changed, sure, and uh, repeated what Labor did and I hope both sides stop doing that. You and me both. You and me both. Yeah, own the country generally, I think, you know. People on both sides say, can't we just have some damn stability? Last question. Is the Liberal Party 
what it's meant to be, what it was set up to be in a good place as we sit here today. I think if you believe what you read in the papers, you'd say, oh, gee, there's a bit of upset going on. But as we've already canvassed, you know, I'm a great believer in disagreements. It's, the, it's what life runs. It's the, you and I having a different opinion is a good thing. I'm pleased to live in a country where we all can have our own views. Look, you just have to look at the track record. Are the eight last elections, the Liberal Party's won six of them. One was a draw and Labor won the other one. So for all, all the bagging that goes on in the media, uh, the Liberal Party has a track record of being chosen by the Australian people. Amanda Vanstone, thank you for your insight. And you did sound like an expert, even though you don't want to be called one, but thank you very much <laughs> for your insight about the Liberal Party. Appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Peacock Politics was presented by me, Adam Peacock, and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Liv Proud, sound production by Darcy Thompson, theme music composed by Matthew Dwyer, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. To hear more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search Peacock Politics on Apple Podcasts.